What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, the pilot, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. The number one excuse that entrepreneurs make for not starting a business is that they don't have resources. They don't have money. They don't have a code. They don't have ideas. They don't write. God damn it. They have a lot of excuses. If you ever want to learn how to validate business ideas for any company for less than 100 bucks, you're going to love this episode. I'm going to show you how I would start a tech company like Uber, a fast food business like Chipotle, and even a clothing company like Patagonia. So if you've always been wanting to start a business, you are going to love this episode, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we dive into the show, if you're looking to start or grow your online business, go subscribe to the AppSumo.com newsletter. Even if you never buy anything from our site, it's a great way to learn about what are the newest, greatest, and latest tools, plus we have amazing prices on them. That's AppSumo.com. Go join the newsletter. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Jordan159. He left a review saying, Noah's content is so actionable. That's really important to me. He said he's been binge listening to Noah Kagan's podcast, listening on my commute to work. He drops value bombs in every episode. Man, I love you, Jordan. I hope I get to see you one day in real life. And I love every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I check every single one of them. Let's dive in. So how would I start a tech company like Uber? Now, this is where it gets interesting because a lot of y'all are maybe not programmers or you're not from Silicon Valley or you don't have a m- bunch of money and resources to get it going. So a lot of times you have to actually go backwards and say, well, what's the problem I'm solving and what's the most simplest way I can actually see if people will give me money for this business? And this one is a really great thing to try that for. So what is Uber at the end of the day? It is a taxi company. I know they're tech and they've got a platform and they all this shit. But at the end of the day, no one wants to go here. You send the car and they bring them over. Sounds like a taxi. So what do you think you would do to be able to validate and see if this is a business that you could actually get going and maybe technology will help you scale? I think that's a problem that a lot of people do is they put the technology for the problem and the customers. From there, once you know that it's something people actually really want, then finding a developer or going on Upwork or Fiverr or freelancer or asking friends to build this stuff is frankly really trivial. But what's really interesting about Uber is you don't even need to do that. You could literally just ask your friends, text me whenever you need a ride and I will get you a driver within the next 10 minutes. And all you have to do is now that you can build up this list of people that know that they can get rides from you, you start recruiting drivers. So you can post on Craigslist and gigs. You can post on the Facebook marketplace. Now, have you noticed I still haven't built any tech? I'm just manually solving the problem that people really want. And at some point, I'm not going to be able to do texting to be able to coordinate rides. So that is when technology can actually start solving and scaling that problem. How would I start a fast food restaurant like Chipotle? A lot of the times in these business ideas, we have to take a step back. What's the problem that I'm solving that's just not out there today? And when Chipotle came out, it's like, Super fast, high quality Mexican food. And I know, I think there's a lot of other good quality Mexican food out there, but specifically in the mainstream, there was not. So how do you actually validate that as a business idea? Especially if you're like me, like I'm a microwaver, I'm not a great chef. So I would combine it in two ways. Number one, go find your favorite chef. So think about the restaurants or even in your own network. And so I would go to Uchi or Taco Deli or Loro and I would ask any of the different chefs there, just ask them, hey, do you ever do catering? I'd love for you to cater something at my house. So find someone that you know can cook well and ask them to cater. And then you'll tell them what you want them to cook, which is going to be healthy Mexican food. Now, step two is go to your friend and say, hey, on Saturday night, I'm going to be trying out this new business concept. It's going to be called Nopotli. And I want you to, for $10, buy fast food Mexican bowls. What's a restaurant? It's people eating food in a space, just like Chipotle. Now, if you can get that going, I would actually try to see how many more times you can keep that going until you can't really do it at your house anymore. And you want to actually start a location. That's how I would start on the cheap. Now, the one other thing I think it's really important about the Chipotle example is your unit economics. So one of the reasons that Chipotle works out well is that it's super high quality ingredients, which can be expensive, and they do a super high turnover, meaning a lot of people are coming in through Chipotle all the time. So you do want to do a model about how much chicken would it cost, how much are tortillas, how much is rice, how much is beans, and then how many people and at what price do I need to sell to make this business work? 
And I would definitely make sure I understood that before I really try to scale out that business. So this one is no way I can start this for less than $100. How would you start ordering? So this is the sleep tracker. You guys have probably seen a bunch of like hipsters and YouTubers wearing it. I really like the company. I wear it almost every single night. I've done it for the past few years. How would you start this for less than $100? What does this solve? What it simply did in the beginning was just track your sleep. So hear me out. And I know it's crazy is that if you wanted to track people's sleep, what's the simplest way to do it? You just watch them sleep. (laughs) And I know that's creepy. You could put cameras on people's sleep. I'm sure that's a little weird. And say, hey, I'm going to record you sleeping. And I'm going to track how long you're doing it manually. And I'm going to make some observations for you about how you're sleeping. And I think it'll help you sleep better. That's how a monthly service could actually happen. And people would actually pay you for that. And over time, as you're doing it via camera, you're like, maybe there's a better way. Maybe I can put a mat that actually tracks how you sleep. Or maybe there's something in sound that I could actually hear how you sleep. Or maybe there's a physical device I can put on you that would track your blood pressure and you would learn how to sleep. As you're hearing me talk about these different ideas, it's like, well, what's the problem actually solving? And what's the fastest way I can do to see if people actually want it? One of the most fascinating things about ordering that I think is really missed out on, and I really want to highlight specifically in this category is think about how big the markets are for these businesses. So let me ask you, do you sleep? Yes. And what all these business ideas that we kind of talked about today, there are gigantic opportunities. Eating, everyone does. Being entertained, everyone does. Clothing, everyone wears. I think that's a really important takeaway as you're trying to do these different business ideas is think about how many people actually can be impacted by it. And that's probably something that you can be working on and know that you're gonna have a big opportunity. So how would you start a tequila brand like Patron? Now, before I dive into that, how would you start it yourself? Maybe you would fly to Mexico. Maybe you call George Clooney. You go on the streets, be like, hey, do you know how to do agave? And then you burn it and you put in a bottle and we have tequila. Let's just say I go out there. I get a great tequila. I make it. How do I actually get anyone to buy it? That's actually always going to be the hard part, no matter what business we're going to be starting. Once you actually know that you have customers, figure out how to actually start it is really, really trivial. So for Patron, I would actually think right now, what is it in the tequila market that's missing? A lot of times when people are doing businesses, they're creating problems that no one wants. They're creating problems that no one has. So in tequila, are you going to go with the super cheapest? Are you going to go for a combination? Maybe flavored tequila, just like Deep Eddie's did. Not a bad idea. Now the question is, can I go and see if any of my friends will actually buy this? But I think people jump to making the product, spending six or 12 months, spending money, investing in it, getting a website, domain, all these things. Then they're looking around for customers and it's crickets time. So for Patron, let's just assume I'm going to be doing spicy tequila or flavored tequila. So I would text any of my friends, hey, do you like drinking tequila? Tequila. And I would see, hey, I'm making this flavored tequila. It's probably going to be around $30 a bottle if that's something you're interested in. If I could get three people to buy it from me, pay Venmo, PayPal, cash, whatever it is. Now I know I have the customers. Actually, making tequila is pretty trivial. You think George Clooney's in the fields making tequila? I made coconut wine actually a year ago. How did I actually go about making this? First off, I went on YouTube. You could actually go on YouTube right now and Google how to make tequila. So if you want to make a high-end tequila, literally there's people for free showing you how to do it. That is how I made coconut wine V1. Now, after I made it V1, it tasted like toilet water with a little bit of sugar and alcohol, which was pretty damn cool. But the second thing I did was, huh, There's other people who've already figured this out, maybe in a different area. How can I learn from them? I Googled wine sommeliers and I just found a bunch of different wine sommeliers, specifically in Napa Valley. It's one of the uh, best known regions in the States. And I contacted a lot of them and I said, hey, I'm making coconut wine. Can you walk me through how to make this type of wine? I'll pay you $100. And that's what I did. And so he walked me through the process. I said, hey, do you mind if I follow up with you? And over the next few months, I followed up. And finally, I think this is V4 and it tastes pretty damn good. Another example I just wanted to show you was Shirley Wine. So I actually invested in this. This was created by Justin Mayers and friends out of the kettle. They created Kettle and Fire. Now, what's interesting about this is Justin Mayers does not know herbiculture. 
Justin Mears has never made wine before. Justin Mears lives in Austin, Texas. Like, we're not known for wine out here. We're known for country, Texas, and gun. So what he did is he did the same thing as where he hit up all these wineries in Napa, pitched his idea, experimented with a sommelier guy out there, finally found one that worked, and then they started selling it. They're doing really, really well. I invested $10,000 in the company. The other thing that's really interesting is that as you guys are starting any of these companies, especially on the super cheap, you realize that you should be documenting your journey. Make a YouTube, make a podcast, do a TikTok, whatever it is, because that's actually how you can build the business. So when you finally have your product ready, you have a customer base that'd be excited to buy your thing. How would you start a social media platform like TikTok? So this is one of the things, how would you start it? Because it's like, well, I think they solve entertainment, but there's an algorithm. But no, I'm not a coder. We definitely need a coder for this one, right? Wrong. So what's really interesting to think about TikTok, I'm not a huge TikToker, but what is TikTok really solving? It's solving entertainment. It's saying, hey, can I show you something entertaining that you might learn from or you might just enjoy? And so one way to think about this is it's really just sending your friends gifts or videos that are really short and entertaining. So think about this. Could you actually get 10 of your friends and send them one gift a day and say, hey, tell me if you like this or not. And each day they just say, yeah, they like it or they don't like it. And each day you kind of keep calibrating based on what they like and keep trying to expand the amount of friends that you're texting to see if they actually like the entertainment you're sending them. What does that sound like? Sounds like what TikTok does, but just they do it every 60 seconds. You don't need to build an algorithm to actually go and find high quality content. I would probably even go cheat and look on Reddit. There's a bunch of subreddits for entertainment and find ones that are highly rated. You know that people already like it. And now just start building up your audience of friends or people that are interested and say, hey, I want to send you one funny thing a day. I think you're going to enjoy it. Another way you can start TikTok is through an email list. So you can go to sendfox.com and literally every single day, just send one piece of entertainment. And you could see how your open rates and your click rates look. And if it's something that each day people are opening and opening and opening your entertaining emails, now it's thinking, oh, maybe I want to actually create a platform where people can actually get customized based on their interests. So creating the actual software and the algorithm stuff, frankly, that's kind of the trivial part. Making sure it's something that people really want and you doing it in a really simple way to validate it, that's the hard part. I have a Patagonia jacket here. This is an official sumo jacket, limited edition. How would you actually get it made? Now, what's fascinating about the Patagonia story, uh, if you read the, the founder's book, was that they wanted rock climbing clothing and there was nothing good available. Now, what's really fascinating about how their story was is that they took material from other departments and other types of categories and actually custom fit it so that they could have their own clothing. So there's two key things in starting the Patagonia Clothes Company. Number one, solve a problem that's not happening right now. And number two, how can you steal from other industries and bring it into your space? Now, I would look at that in the cycling space. I'm a huge cyclist. And so what is it in cycling that's actually missing? And what can I borrow from other industries and actually bring that in? So specifically for cycling, the jerseys are ugly. I don't know if you've seen cyclists out there. I'm always like, loser. What I would think about is how can I make stylish cycling clothes? A lot of these manufacturers, you can actually just call them up. So there's a company called Giordana that's a manufacturer of cycling, and they will help you design the clothing. We've actually been able to do that with our sumo gear. Again, the thing to think about is what is not being served in a specific market? So like Gymshark, for example, there's been gym clothes for a while, Under Armour, Nike, Reebok, but they notice specifically like there's these YouTuber young millennial gym rats that want to have sexy asses and you can use a specific way of marketing, which is YouTube, to actually grow that business. So again, I think one of the things that I'm noticing as I talk about starting these different companies is what is the unique problem that you're solving that's not available in the market that you can have an easier access to get going? Now, as we're looking at another business, let's just take Quest Nutrition Bars. So Jeremy, our producer, used to work with Tom Bilyeu. He is a friend of mine. I love Tom Bilyeu. And I love Quest Nutrition Bars. I'm like, damn, I'm really tempted to eat this. Now, the question is, how could you start this company for really cheap? And what's interesting about this company is they actually started for really cheap. So if you wanted to start any type of like protein bar, nutrition bar, drinks, 
beverages. A lot of these things are really great home-baked concepts. All the Metro Mex bars and the gym bars that were out there had okay nutrients, but they tasted like garbage. And they were thinking, maybe we can make something better. Now, what a lot of people would think, well, Noah, I'm not a scientist. I am not a doctor. I am not a nutritionist. Tom and his wife bake these in their kitchen. The other thing to consider is that if you know that there's demand and you validate it, there's so many companies out there called a co-packer or companies who actually do a lot of beta products. It's really interesting. So what does that mean is that they go to a place and they actually give, say, hey, here's probably what we want to be doing. Can you make this for us? I know it feels like telling that Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy aren't real, but that's how a lot of these things get made. Now, what I'm trying to discourage you from is going and doing all that on a business that you don't know that people want. So I think the simplest answer with a lot of these kind of companies is cook it at home. Well, that is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as we did making it for you. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel if you want more goodness for your earlobes and your eyes. That's youtube.com slash okdork. I'd love to help you on your business journey. youtube.com slash okdork. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go ride an Uber together. Before you go, tweet at me at Noah Kagan. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Yes, I talk really quickly. Also, remember to go to subscribe to my email list. I put my best tips into a single short email each and every week. And I have exclusive content just for those subscribers. That's sendfox.com slash Noah. Sendfox.com slash Noah. Finally, a couple of shout outs to my amazing team. These guys and girls are, are phenomenal. Jason at podcasttech.com. Blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about his domain. But yes, if you ever want to hire him, that's his domain. He makes all the editing for these shows. He's phenomenal. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Hubert, Cam, Sasa, and Jen from the Dork Team for all the magic I'll do. Especially Mitchell. I want to give a big shout out to Mitchell. He joined this, this crazy guy named Noah when there was no one. He had to do everything and just a lot of progress. I'm really proud of this guy. Also, shout out to Chris Gurion at AppSumo. A lot of the funniest, awesomest emails we send out are from Chris. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Have a delightful day. What's your favorite month of the year? I don't like the holidays. I know it sounds bad, but it always feels lonely. It's my favorite month, man. March. March is a good-ass month.